This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome back to Faith Ventures. I'm Dr. Norman Horn, and today I have joining me Mr. Brandon Harbath. He is the president and CEO of Christian Care Ministry, which is most well-known for its particular ministry that a lot of folks know called MediShare, a health-sharing service. And uh, But this is a 501c3 with really interesting uh, opportunities and, and ministry work that they do. I mean, amazing stuff. So, Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on today, Norm. Brandon, Christian Care Ministry is a fascinating entity in and of itself. You're, you're again, you're most well known for MediShare, but let's talk a little bit about your career journey, how you kind of got to being involved in this Christian Care Ministry uh, thing that is, this, you know, as you've previously described to me, is very complicated. Uh, and then let's talk a little bit more about that. So let's start with your journey. Where how did you kind of get into this biz? Oh man, it's a great question. I, let me just start by saying. Is it okay sometimes in life just to admit, I have no idea how or why the Lord got me to where where I am in life? And uh, I, I don't know that, you know, if, if you've ever had this feeling before, maybe some of your listeners have, you, you never thought going through school or college, like, this is where you would end up. And man, I'm just glad I didn't know that, right, where the Lord yes. is. So, because if I know that, I don't know that I, and, and somebody uh, near and dear to me, Ivana Lau, a wonderful friend of the ministry, has uh, said that and, and taught that to me over and over again. Just, I'm glad I didn't know at the time, right? Uh, and so, that's uh, I, I, that's just true. But listen, I actually started my career in banking, believe it or not. So, I was in a working 100 uh, banking organization out of school. Uh, my, my major was in finance. Um, never thought I would end up in, in a space like this, but I, I did kind of grow up with this thinking in my mind that, you know, a good Christian, shouldn't a good Christian, quote unquote, whatever that means to you, right? Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't be in full-time vocational ministry. And so I, I always had this almost a failure complex, right? As a, mm-hmm. as a, as a, kind of a, as, as, as a Christian, as a believer, as someone who loves Jesus, uh, what am I doing in banking? So I, I admit I struggled with that out of school, didn't know what the Lord was doing for uh, my life or what I should be doing. Uh, I did that for about a decade. Then I went into health insurance. Okay. So which, mm. and uh, moved over into the Blue Cross Blue Shield space. Um, I moved over to another large, uh, international health insurance company. I ran their international operations for a number of years and, uh, and amazing experiences there. Got to circle the globe and see healthcare outside of the constraints of some of the systems that we have here in the, uh, in place here in, in the U S which, uh, if you ever get the chance to do that, go tour a hospital, by the way, in yeah. rural Shanghai, China. Okay. You're, oh man. <laughs> I'd be blown, right. As, as it was mine, but I spent about a decade in health insurance uh, and I had some amazing things happen in my life, you know, during that time, clear direction from the Lord. And it was just amazing. But I found myself leading a, a hospital system. And and shortly thereafter, uh, a global pandemic smacks us, right? And <laughs> so if, if ever want, um, I, I mean, I kind of chuckle about it now, but no laughing matter whatsoever. If you want sure. the leadership experience of a lifetime, I mean, that will just challenge you to no end from a faith perspective, from a physical perspective, from a mental perspective. Um, I would encourage anyone go sign up to lead a hospital system during a global pandemic. So, um, <laughs> you know, I had, I had, and the Lord had me there for a reason. I, you know, again, it was just amazing. It's so clear to me now. It wasn't at the time 
uh, but it is now. Uh, and that kind of leads me to where I am today. Uh, since COVID, uh, about two years ago, I um, joined a Christian care ministry. And, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're a, a 501c3, a nonprofit uh, association of churches by structure. That's that's what we are. And Christian care ministry lives in the space at the intersection of faith and sharing what we like to call, you know, connecting needs with resources uh, in our community. And by the way, uh, we're doing it at a very sophisticated level in some of the most challenging uh, industries or parts of the ecosystem of our uh, economy, right? Uh, health, uh, healthcare and healthcare bills, um, for sure. But think of it this way. Think of it as a faith um, version of what really the church should be doing when it comes to what our world might call health insurance, right? We're not yeah. in Right. This is the body of Christ coming together in amazing ways. So super excited about where the Lord has me now. It's been a crazy journey uh, through several different industries. Uh, and because of the structure of what we do here, I can look back now and see, you know, even during those early days when I thought, man, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What am I doing in banking? Uh, what am I doing in health insurance? You know, we're we're actually a, a fintech at our core. The, the banking yeah framework I've had in my brain, the health insurance framework I've had in my brain have all been used uh, now in really cool ways for the glory of God, you know, through this ministry and the role I have now. And I couldn't be more excited about that. You know, when you start to see those pieces come together in your life at times. That's super interesting. And I can't imagine, you know, going and being in, you know, being in the medical device industry myself uh, and having been uh, during a global pandemic, you know, on the uh, it, not exactly on the front lines, but being uh, integrally involved in the dissemination of devices for healthcare. <laughs> I can I can't imagine being in the leadership position of the hospital itself. Um, so I, I definitely respect that. It's a, it's it has been a crazy last few years, that's for sure. Yeah. But with MediShare, then you've you've uh, you know you're entering into something that's you know quite different, but also uh, has sort of relatedness to things that people are familiar with. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, where, where did, you know, this, uh, where does kind of, you say it's not insurance, but it, it's, and it's the sharing aspect, but like, what, how do you describe, you know, to, to somebody who perhaps has never seen before what a health sharing service looks like, you know, how do you describe what that is to somebody? Yeah. Well, depending on your frame, right. And maybe your background and, and perspective, um, you know, I would, I would argue, uh, a sharing ministry and the way we, um, help, uh, faith based individuals, uh, transact is better than insurance. And mm -hmm. so I usually start by telling people it's not insurance. It's actually a lot better. And, and here's the reason why when you, when you connect with others in a faith community, right. And, and we're just part of the body of Christ, right. We're, we're the church. Okay. We're mm -hmm. believers. When you join a program like MediShare, you're signing a statement of faith. Okay, you're you're agreeing to the same common um, faith principles that um, you know the rest of the community does, and it's uh, obviously Christian, Trinitarian. Uh, we have a very simple statement of faith. It's multi-denominational, right? But when you do that, there's a totally different feeling in personalizing and realizing that you have a brother or sister in faith on the other side of that medical bill that's actually banding together to pay it. Now, mm -hmm. in some sense, the same or similar principles apply in insurance, okay? The difference is it's, it's actually significant. The insurance company is taking your money and is owning that risk, right, that entity, you know what's happening in sharing is that the body of Christ, the individuals are owning that risk and they're stepping mm -hmm. up and they're saying, 
we're going to be there for one another. Okay. We're going to be there for one another. Now it's not insurance. We're not, you know, uh, MediShare never takes possession of the funds, right? They're your dollars and you have a bank account and we connect them with the next one on and on and on. But the other incredible thing, this is, this is the part that just captivates my mind because we're uh, deeply involved in building and being a part of what I would just call the Christian ecosystem, right? Or if you yeah. want to call it parallel economy, I'm happy to, to say that as well. But when you, you put a dollar into a ministry like Christian Care Ministry through a program like MediShare, uh, those dollars go uh, and they bank with Christian institutions that fund church buildings, that fund adoptions, right? That mm-hmm. fund uh, small business loans for Christian entrepreneurs, they're not going into an insurance company's pocket to pay for abortions and transgender yeah. sex reassignment surgeries and all manners of evil. And so when you think about multiplying as a Christian, these are, these are my deep convictions, whether you're talking banking or whatever you're buying, however you're transacting, how can I best steward that dollar? Okay. That when it comes out the other side in kingdom terms, I can 10 exit, right? I can 10 exit for the kingdom. Uh, and building models like that, in spaces like we're in, in healthcare, are it's, it's really hard to do. It's very difficult. It's very sophisticated. Yeah. I find that really fascinating because the models by which we have to operate these types of, you know, businesses or parallel economy, you know, institutions, if you will, has got to be, it's really tough. So how do you approach that? I mean, have, did you leverage your, you know, all of your banking skills, all of your, you know, your experiences in the healthcare field? Like, how have you built yourself up to be able to operate at this level. Yeah, well, okay. So first of all, I, I get the mere privilege and pleasure of standing on the shoulders of giants, okay? So I, I've, uh, and, and carrying a ball forward. And this ministry, Christian Care Ministry in particular, has been here for 30 years. So we've been doing mm-hmm. this now for three decades. Uh, phenomenal. And yes, technology over time has changed. But uh, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. The, uh, the way we are transacting and connecting needs with resources in the body of Christ today, uh, is is like GoFundMe before GoFundMe ever got up in the morning. Okay? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. I don't want to disparage any organization out there at all. They're, it's an incredible machine, right? I mean, you think about tools and resources like that. But mm-hmm. our question has been, how do we take that technology and maximize it for the glory of God? Okay. Yeah. We equip the church. And that's all we're doing. All we're doing is equipping the church to connect needs with resources. That's mm-hmm. it. There's really nothing by way of you know, a meta share uh, that's particularly unique. Really, it is about the church. It's about the body of Christ being able to act like the body of Christ. Uh, we think of it Acts six. You know, if you if you know if you want to go back to the model of the deacons, uh, the entire reason the deacons were put into place, and we think of ourselves kind of like a large deacon ministry. Acts six, you know, Fisher, this uh, sin in the church had crept in. The needs of the widows weren't getting met, and they were the outcasts, the Hellenists, right? And and the Jewish widows, the Hellenists weren't getting their needs met. And so the apostle said the biggest risk was happening at the time. What was that? The word of God was not being preached as a result or was being neglected and prayer wasn't happening. So they, uh, the deacons were born, right? And the deacon's job wasn't to be the resource and it wasn't to be the need. It was to connect the needs with the resources and make sure, you know, men who are full of uh, wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit and of good reputation, that's where the qualifications, so that those needs could be identified appropriately and connected to the right resource. Uh, and by the way, I, I just make this argument when you think of the the uh, faith economy today, uh, the church in Acts 6, I don't believe any different than our church today, the church in Acts 6 did not have a resource issue. 
It did not yeah. have a resource issue. The needs of those widows were, weren't going unmet because there was a resource issue. And I argue the same thing. So look around you today and where there are believers in need, people of faith in need, uh, and, and beyond that, right? How can we as the body of Christ use resources, uh, tools, technology uh, to be able to maximize those needs connecting with resources for the glory of God? That's super cool. Yeah, I mean, and in, in some respects, we could probably go on for hours about how even insurance itself, like back when insurance companies were first getting founded, we're all, all faith-based. Right? Yeah, we're all faith-based. And, yeah. and there's been this huge drift yes. in their missions and in their ability to operate and the regulatory structures that are on top of them and how healthcare works in the first place and so on. I mean, it gets kind of crazy. So do you kind of view what you're doing as like a, well, you kind of already said this in some sense. It's a throwback. It's a throwback to the right. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, we never use the word insurance, but you're not wrong. Right, right. The heart and the mission behind why health insurance, and, and great, amazing things have been born out of people of faith, right, over the right. centuries. And this is one of them, right? When you think about that idea, that need of connecting needs with resources or taking, you know, the, the, the resources from those, and not from them, but uh, people who have the resource, right? knowing that and giving them to those in need, it's as simple as that, right? It's connecting those needs with the resources. And sometimes it's hard to figure out where should those resources go. It takes people full of the spirit, full of wisdom, and full of good reputation to be trusted, to be that middleware, right? Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, okay, number one, you kind of, in some sense, you it's almost like a fintech problem to solve. Yeah. Which I thought which is really clever. I hadn't thought about it that way. And then secondarily, that you're definitely adopting new technologies and new ways of thinking in order to deliver this value that we all hold together as Christians to other people, uh, to fellow Christians, that is, really. And yes. so I'm can you give some examples about you know, perhaps is I mean, you can get as technical as you want, because you know, we're a nerdy show here. We can do what we want. But like let's talk some examples about like how has the internet economy, if you will, kind of enabled new connectivity and new opportunities for Christian care ministries to be able to serve other people and fellow Christians better. Yeah, well, I, I would all, all of it um, has been multiple. Our ability to minister has been multiplied for sure over the decades. I mean, if you went back 15 years ago, uh, certainly there were things in this uh, ministry in this uh, space of connecting needs with resources mm -hmm. that were on paper and pencil. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or, right. And <laughs> duct tape, paper, clips, and string, if you will. Uh, and and <laughs> this is super cool, by the way. We actually began uh, as a group of, uh, and I'll call them deacons at the time, who had been assigned families, and their entire job as a ministry was to simply pick up the phone every month and call those families and see if they had any needs, any medical bills that they could help them with, Sharon, et cetera. Um, but that was all manual, right? And so as time right. progressed, without fail, every single time, We've taken advantage of technology the technology to simply multiply the impact that was a ministry that we can have. And I think that's, you know, whether you're talking now about AI, I have the same question for AI. What are, how are we taking incredible technology of our time today and pointing it to glorify God, right? And yeah. maximize its impact in the church today. So whatever the technology is, as, as people of faith, we should constantly be asking ourselves, how do we take that and use it to maximize it for, for God's glory? I'm glad you kind of threw it to that sort of message there because that's, I think, perhaps one of the most crucial aspects of where we are at in the modern economy, acting as Christians, where we can make a difference. Because if we take, you know, like the way that you and I both kind of grew up, it's like, well, if I'm, if I'm not doing actual ministry, then I'm not doing the best to the glory of God. What a wrong attitude to take. 
in effect, it's almost the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. You should be not focused on precisely what the job, you know, like, oh, what occupation it is, but rather, how can I use the talents and abilities and knowledge that I have in order to serve other people and thereby create value for others? Yeah. So I think that's just so cool. You'd have to discount entire leaders in the Bible to have that kind of an attitude. And that was a big thing <laughs> for me. You'd have to write off Daniel, okay? Right. You'd have to write off Joseph. You'd have uh -huh. to write off Moses. I mean, I mean, think of the think of the roles that one might today be tempted to call secular that uh -huh. men of faith and women of faith have had uh, in the Bible, recorded in God's word for us to learn from and to know yeah. how to act in the world around us. Yeah, terrific. And I, I think back to the 90s, you know, when I was coming of age, I don't know how old you are. I mean, I got more gray hair than you is, is evident, but uh, <laughs> I'm pulling you with my, <laughs> well, you're, you're catching up, but, uh, but I'm going to guess that my children may be contributing more to me than yours. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, I remember the day and age where, yeah, it's like, okay, you, you know, even the notion of going out there and like not going, not going to a Christian college and making sure you got yourself a, you know, the, uh, the the Bible degree or something like that was kind of maybe inappropriate. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you know, whereas like, especially in the homeschool communities where I grew up, yeah. uh, and it was a different day and age. Now homeschooling is so prevalent. Thank the Lord. It's fantastic. But uh, it's a different world. <laughs> but really, like the, this mentality of, well, you if you're going to be if you're going to be doing the best work for God, you will better be in it. Better be in an active ministerial position. Yeah, so wrong. There's yeah. so much that we can do, and the and I think this the the evidence of how you guys have said, look at how we can use technology, the stuff that's available to us, in order to force multiply 10x our impact here is yeah. just so 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 inspiring. I think, and it should be an example to every young man and woman out there who's thinking about, you know, what they want to do with their lives. And okay. we do have those types of folks who are listening in uh, to our to our material. And so that's a great encouragement, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be fooled by, you know, the the boundaries and rules of uh, what the world tells you around uh, around you either. I mean, I had the same mm -hmm. fact, you know, imposter syndrome or failure syndrome, you know, as a kid and uh, tried hard uh, to get into Bible schools, and I did, and and then realized I couldn't afford them, and got stuck, you know, at, <laughs> at, a, at a home university. The the Lord, you know, forced me, you know, into that kind of like Acts sixteen. If Paul tried to go north, south, east, couldn't do it. The Spirit prohibited him, uh, and he ended up going west. The difference was I I didn't I didn't have that kind of trust in the Lord and what He was doing in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I look back now and just wish uh, wish that I had had more faith right at the time just yeah. to walk and to be obedient that's what he tells us ephesians 2 he's laid out for us in advance good works that we should walk in them and our job is to walk in them right yeah not be worried about whether or not uh it, it conforms with whatever image we think the world was put before us so. yeah so yeah it's funny you call that you know the fa the failure complex and whatnot i think that's that's really apropos it's very easy for us to in, to wallow in that in that type of mindset uh regardless of where we're at whether you're whether you are even trained to go into the marketplace uh, or, or to go into ministry for that matter. So, yeah. I'm, I, but I'm also kind of curious, you know, that, that kind of raises another question and that's, you know, what kind of challenges like, like either failure complex or other, other things have you encountered both as like kind of personally, uh, in, in the actions of, of going through your business life and whatnot, where your faith has helped you, or even what, what have, what have you encountered in your business where those challenges required you to kind of think deeply, trust God and, and make something happen? Yeah. Uh, what kinds of things would you say to that? 
Yeah, well, I, I think if you're in the in the secular workforce, you're going to have moments like Daniel, right? And opportunities like Daniel to say, no, like I'm just not yeah. going to go that far, right? Being in the secular workforce doesn't mean you bow to bail, right? In any way. Yeah. Perform. And so, and I've had those experiences in life. In fact, um, I left a very lucrative role at a, in a very well-known uh, Fortune 100 organization that uh, had exactly that kind of an issue on their hand. And they were mm-hmm. physically going out of their way to print uh, certain things on my business card, okay, that uh, directly went against my values, my morals, my beliefs mm-hmm. as a Christian, uh, celebrating sin, right? Celebrating sexual immorality and all manner of ridiculousness. And yeah. so, you know, there's a point where you do, and you have to be prepared. Don't be afraid to be fired, okay? And, and that's what I would tell your listeners, people, older people, don't be afraid to make a stand where it is appropriate and needed to make a stand. But you're also, your job is uh, to be salt and light in the world, right? I mean, part of your job as a preservation agent, right, as salt, not just a tasting agent, but a preservation agent is that some might be saved, right? That they would see the gospel of Jesus Christ through you. And, and I'll be honest with you, Norm, I had this conviction, I don't know how long ago it's been now, but um, you know, some time ago, just in my leadership as, uh, as a leader, walking away, even in secular organizations, I began to ask myself, or you know, somebody asked me maybe at one time, are you pointing people closer to Jesus? And you know, I, I may not with every meeting, with every decision, with everything I'm doing, always be thinking about that question. So how can I leave every room? How can I leave every one-on-one? How can I leave every client meeting, every mm-hmm. vendor meeting, wherever I am in the world, even in these large, big positions, leaving those people closer to Jesus than when I walked in. And I I, I just took on, I've read every book. I've been through every yeah. management development program, right? At some of these large, incredible organizations. I've been taught you know, how to act as a leader. And I've thrown it all away. And I've said, you know, true leadership is pointing people closer to Jesus. It's leading people to Jesus. And if yeah. what you're doing is not accomplishing that, then maybe you need to just look a little closer in the mirror as a leader and see if you smell more like the world than you do uh, Jesus. And so that's been my conviction. And and you absolutely need to do that in secular workplaces. That is the place to be. I mean, that is where the opportunity is. Every uh, encounter you have with another human, uh, I just believe this is a divine appointment. It's an opportunity to leave them closer to Jesus than when you met them. And when you're only doing that in faith-based environments, <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder to run into people that need Jesus in the same way. And so I, I just think without Christians in the workplace, making moral decisions, making godly decisions, uh, doing biblical actions and deeds— uh, and ultimately, yes, bringing the gospel, right? In little ways, in big ways, sometimes on big stages, sometimes on smaller ones. But those are, at least in, in my mind, the the moments I look back on and I say, man, that was incredible. I got to talk to such and such about Jesus. I got to, uh, I had a vendor one time, had just lost their mother, walked into a meeting, and I just asked them if I could pray with them. And they mm. walked away. Uh, they got closer to Jesus, right? As, as a result of that, walking into a secular company. So the, that's, I, I think, a huge opportunity for Christians in the workplace today. A massive opportunity, and that's where, uh, where the Lord plants you. That's where we should be, and we should be faithful. Yeah, I mean, to think about that in our often in our workplaces, if you're in an office environment or or just wherever, if, if you're not working from home, which eh, I know a lot of us are now, but. <laughs> You know, we're spending eight hours a day on average doing work in the secular workplace. 
and these are opportunities, like you said, and and you know, I think it's it maybe be worth noting here too. Is like you know, it's some it's like Fran, I, I always quote Francis of Assisi, you know, preach Christ, and if you must use words, and I think that points to something else that I, maybe we kind of forget sometimes is that the it, it isn't that you know every moment that you're able to uh, to you know to quote a Bible verse and in, in the in order to to point somebody to Christ, it's that orientation. There's what? this this, this kind of like. Your true north. In fact, a lot of companies will even now they talk about you know uh, what what's your north star uh, yeah. as like for your organization's mission and vision. So very popular, but, yeah. but like, yeah, I mean that's a, it's a really close. I mean we've even done that at LCI at times in, in our kind of thinking thinking through the way in which we're going to present our vision. What is our north star? Well, you know what that that is indicative of an of an orientation, and yeah. those orientations are just so crucial. And if you that's I, you know because I'm I don't quote a lot of verses. You know, uh, to my to my coworkers, but they doggone well know where I stand. Yeah, because they see they should be seeing that in all of my interactions, yeah. uh, the way in which I treat my colleagues, the way in which I treat my my leadership, the way in which which I treat uh, my you know subordinates if yeah. I have them, uh, the way in which I treat my customers yeah. even, and th- that level of honesty and and uh, and you know th- that's just. What we have to be, and it reminds me, Norm, too, when you think about um, in today's environment, too. Maybe not the world that you and I grew up in, but today, mm-hmm. um, the basic issue of work ethic is mm-hmm. on the chopping block. I mean, it is in question. You can't see a TikTok trend today about something happening in the workplace without it having to do with some new form of laziness yep. or trying to get away from not having to do work. And so, there there are even simple ways that a God-fearing Christian in the workplace, just through their work ethic, yeah. of working hard, right? And I remember this. My entire philosophy of work early on was basically just work as unto the Lord, right? And I yeah. took scripture to heart, and I said, you know, I never want to be caught working less or being outperformed by someone who didn't love the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. God fit it. I just believed, and I, and I still do. The Christians of all people should be the hardest working yeah. people in the workforce. Why? Because we know we're working for. A greater master, right? At the end of the day, and so I think even just through simple things like your work ethic and how you demonstrate that to your boss, uh, your boss's boss, whoever, your coworkers around you, uh, is just so important. I mean, that that is one of the biggest points of testimony I think Christians have today. As simple as that sounds. I'm thinking about buying the domain quitquietquitting.com. Uh, uh, do you like that? Let's, you want to go in on it with me? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, in my my uh, effort to uh, you know to troll the culture. Yes. Which, uh, also, uh, trolltheculture.com is is available. Yeah, it's because yeah we are and and it's just true. It it feels like people spend more time these days trying yeah. to find ways to not work than just yeah. the work God's put in front of them to do. And and you know by the way, work was before the fall. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think it's a good thing for us to work. God has ordained that we should work and for us to sit around spending more time figuring out how to get out of working uh, than just doing what we were made to do uh, is crazy. Dude, I love it. Well, uh, as we begin to kind of draw to a close here, uh, Brandon, I'm, I want to ask you the question that I, I usually save toward the end for all of my guests, and which which I like to call it, you know, maybe the Tim Ferriss billboard style question. Imagine that you were, you know, able to go back in time and given all that you're experienced and and what you've learned now in business and in faith and life, and you were giving your younger self some advice, you've alluded to a few things already, but I'm curious as to you know what sorts of things you would you would want to make sure you imparted to that younger, uh, perhaps '90s driven 
uh, Brandon Harvath at this point, <laughs> or or at least to the to the idiot Norman on the sidelines over there. Now the, the idiot Brandon Harvath is a great way to put it, and you're so right. <laughs> I, I think I'd, I'd probably I'd tell myself a few really key things, and that that is um, never forget that this life is short and eternity really long. Yeah, <laughs> you, you better you, you better live for what's important, right? The the parable of the buried treasure, uh, I just love, and it, it reminds me of this life. This life life is a vapor, and so uh, it's what Scripture tells us, right? And eternity is really long afterwards. So reminding myself, especially in the secular workforce, that every moment, uh, every encounter with another human is a divine appointment. It's an opportunity. Uh, to shine the light of the gospel into others' lives. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, execute good business principles and sound moral decisions and all of those great things, uh, but that every encounter is a divine appointment, that this is ministry. All of work is worship, right? That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. All of work is worship, whether we're you know, in a secular company or a faith-based organization. Uh, and I, I think I would just encourage my younger self to have had more courage right along those lines. Don't be afraid to get fired. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, your, that's a really your... interesting piece of advice. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid to get fired. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, any, any other messages that you have for our listeners, both young and old as we, as we close out today? Yeah, Norm, I appreciate that. And thanks for your time today. Uh, great show. And I, you know, I would just say, um, don't be afraid to step out and do something amazing and maximizing, whether it's technology or your gifts for the kingdom of God. Uh, that is what we should be doing. We're all part of the body of Christ, whether you're a toe, a finger, a hand, you know, an arm, uh, or nose, whatever the case may be, but uh, use it all for the glory of God. You can get us at metashare.com if you want to learn uh, more about Christian Care Ministry uh, and check out all of the different programs we have. If you have younger folks on the show, by the way, I'd encourage them to check out another one of our amazing ministries called Student Leadership University, a Christ-centered Um, ministry about uh, student leadership. Dr. Jay Strack has been uh, leading that for a number of years, just an incredible ministry there. Uh, But yeah, check us out on metashare.com if uh, you want to learn more about what we do here and and how we connect needs with resources. Oh, Brandon. So thank you so much for being here. This has been very encouraging. And I know that everybody's been getting a lot out of this and this is going to be one for the ages. So thank you so much for joining me once again, sir. My pleasure. Thanks, Norm. And thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. 